Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? of our magical work in the world is based on relationship. One of the great sources of relationship is devotion. What are we devoted to? Who are we devoted to? And in those devotional relationships, what are we feeding the relationship? What are our our offerings in that relationship? We can think of this in terms of deity. We can think of this in terms of ancestors or spirits of place or our own human relationships or relationships with animals. These relationships that we are connected to, almost like the spokes on a wheel or a more three-dimensional sort of urchin um, appendages on a sphere. These relationships are what I'm coming to think of as communities of accountability. So we feed the relationship in some way and we are fed by the relationship in some way. And when these relationships are healthy and balanced, they make us accountable to them in a way that is edifying and strengthening and foundational. They help us know who we are, by what kind of gifts we're able to give, how we are seen and what is reflected back to us. I engage in devotional relationship with deity all the time by making offerings and receiving love and insight and healing energies. I do the same thing with the spirits of the land where I live. Just the other day, I did uh, a land healing offering where I was giving apples to this apple tree that's sick and struggling on the land with cedar rust fungus. And so I put apples all around the tree that were from a healthy tree that wasn't sick, just to remind the tree of the energy of wholeness and health and vibrancy and vitality. It was such a beautiful ceremony. And a few days later, I found an apple on the trail that I walk through the forest. It was not one of the apples that I left the tree, and it was not one of the apples from the tree. Some random mystery apple... (laughs) from who knows where, um, left on the path for me to find. 
these little moments of reciprocation that come from work with the natural world um, that are so edifying and so restorative of our sense of wonder and magic and enchantment. I have so many stories like that from over the years of working in relationship with the spirits of place. And I'm sure many of you have the same kinds of stories, um, needing a plant medicine and finding that exact plant growing outside your door and you didn't even know what it was. <laughs> um, you know, all of these really deeply connective moments of reciprocation with the natural world. They're so um, synchronous and, and it's such a wink from this entangled web of life that we are seen and we are held and we are known. In my own life, I find these kinds of reciprocal relationships much more tedious in my human communities of accountability. How I show up for other humans has so much more nuance, so many more unspoken rules and subtleties and it can be a lot more difficult to navigate. In fact, I've spent most of my life trying to unpack the stories I tell myself about human relationships so that I can get to a much more clear and intentional place about what it means to be in relationship with other humans. Being in relationship to a butterfly is so much simpler. <laughs> I plant milkweed, I plant cosmos and roses and lots of good forage. Um, I know how to offer myself to butterfly in pure love and how to receive reciprocation by just seeing the butterfly leaving eggs and watching the caterpillars eat the plants I planted. It's so easy <laughs> to be in that kind of reciprocal relationship with butterfly. It's so different to be in that kind of relationship with my daughter or my best friend or my colleague because I don't know exactly what they need and neither do they. And I don't know exactly how to show up and they don't know exactly how they want me to show up. There's, as humans, our needs are so much more complex and they're shaped by the overculture. So, so much of my work in the past 10 years or so has been around understanding what in the overculture has changed my perception of what I need and what I think others need. And more than need, I think, is value. Like what is valuable to other humans? And is the story I've been told and in turn have been telling myself about what is valuable actually true. And I talk about this in the Love Thyself podcast episode, where I talk about the commodifying of the self. And this is true in relationships of accountability, in our community of accountability. If I'm showing up for someone in a way that commodifies me, because I think that's what makes me valuable, I'm actually erasing the potential for true intimacy in that relationship because my, my presence in the relationship is performative based on a cultural story that may or may not be true. Instead of authentic, 
in a way that is deeply true for myself and for the person that I want to be in relationship with. This is a really abstract concept, so I want to give some clearer examples. And I think that this kind of clarity that we can start to come to in ourselves is a lot of the work of reclaiming ourselves, which makes us potent and rebellious and a force for change, which is why I think it's so worth talking about. So an example, um, let's use a colleague as an example, first of all. So we'll kind of work into the circle of um, accountability from less, um, sort of there's less at stake with a colleague and a lot more at stake with a child or a partner. So if we're in a relationship with a colleague and we think we know what that colleague wants from us based on a value system that's been given to us by patriarchy, I think if I show up for this colleague punctually and always willing to help and always sharing my big ideas and always willing to take on extra work and just extracting from myself constantly in order to show up for this colleague in a way that makes me valuable to them. What can often happen in that algorithm is we can be left feeling depleted and resentful in that relationship. And then that relationship is undermined by the overstory because we're working out of a story that we think is true, but we don't know if it's actually true. So instead of programming myself to show up as a commodity, an extracted um, set of resources for my colleague, I could show up as an actual whole human that's tired some days, that's sad some days. Um, And if I show up for my colleague in my wholeness, then there becomes space for that colleague to show up in their wholeness as well. And we can start to knit together our own experiences, the truth of what we need to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish together. And there can be incredible fruit that comes from our wholeness from our not so great days. Even if we interrupt the pattern of the overstory that started to take root in our relationship and say to our colleague, I'm starting to feel a little resentful in the way I'm showing up in this relationship. I realize I've been keeping you from knowing all of what's going on for me because I don't want to disappoint you. These moments of vulnerability and truth telling can create the necessary and fertile tension for something amazing to happen. Not all relationships are safe for this kind of exploration. Not all places are safe for this kind of disclosure, but it is possible. And out of that um, possibility, I think a lot more genuine work can happen in the world together. So um, I have had this happen with colleagues, actually, where I say, I don't feel like I can keep showing up like this. Um, I haven't been honest with you about my limits. I haven't been honest with myself about what I'm trying to accomplish here. 
And then out of that conversation, my colleague can say, well, you know, I've been just, you know, kind of riffing off the energy you bring to this, but I don't actually have the energy for all of this either. Maybe we could go this in this direction instead. And something more balanced and more whole becomes possible between us. Or now my colleague is not um, feeling like she needs to pace me and keep up with this unrealistic story I've been telling myself. Instead, we can find a much more whole and rooted way to work together. Um, An example that's closer to home would be, um, you know, with our kids and the way we show up in relationship to our kids carrying the overstory that I am responsible for managing the behavior of this child. And so when they are acting a certain way, that is a reflection of me and my parenting. And so I must get control. I must manage the situation. Um, So we become managers of behavior instead of deeply connected to another human that we are in relationship with. And when we start to put down the overstory and come into relationship and we see the behavior of our child as a way of communicating a need and then we respond to that need with love and reflection, we shift the dynamic and we're no longer managing behavior. Now we are responding to need for connection, responding to the need for reflection A few nights ago, um, my husband and I went out for a date night and we came home and my son was confused. He's six. He didn't understand that we were out on a date night. He thought we had gone to get takeout and we didn't bring him anything home. We thought our 16 year old was making dinner for him, which she did, but he chose not to eat it because he thought we were bringing him something home. So there was this huge miscommunication. And he was really mad and felt really betrayed and felt like we had forgotten about him and we didn't care about him and we went out to get food and we didn't bring him anything. And he was like really in his feelings about this. And my first instinct from the way I'm conditioned to think is he can't talk to me like this. This is disrespectful. This is insubordinate. You know, that's how that would translate into like a work dynamic. But I've been doing this work long enough to know that just because my first instinct is from the overstory (laughs) doesn't mean that's the story I want to live into. So I found my breath. I found my soft beating heart. And I saw the betrayal in his eyes that he felt like we had betrayed him. And so I chose connection over trying to manage his behavior. And I just started to reflect back to him. You feel really betrayed by us. You feel like we weren't there for you. You feel like we forgot about you, like we don't care about you. Yeah, I do feel like that. Yes, mom, I do feel like that. So he was feeling super validated, which in turn flipped that whole thing on its head. He could see, I do in fact really care about him. I do see him. I do love him. And the whole thing just petered right out. And suddenly he's like, you know what? I'm really hungry. Um, Do you think you could make me a hamburger? (laughs) because what he was seeking was validation and connection. He just didn't know how to do that from where he was feeling really, really angry. So in this, in this relationship with my six-year-old, he made me accountable to who I want to be, to the story I want to tell, to the kind of relationship I want to have with him. We were in a community of accountability to each other. He was holding me accountable. 
you say you love me and you didn't bring me food. (laughs) When really he was saying, you say you love me and I'm hungry and you're not. How is that fair? And it really called me into my humanity. And there is so much at stake in those moments. And we have so much conditioning around how to show up for each other in moments like that. And when we can stay in the discomfort and find our soft beating heart, something else is possible there. So in this nuance of being a human with other humans, with all these complex stories, I want to invite us to consider where we don't want to be accountable. What threads of story do we not consent to be accountable to? And for me, some of those threads of story are what I just mentioned, managing behavior in my children. I don't consent to be accountable to manage their behavior, but I do consent to be accountable to connect deeply with them as another human being who I'm journeying through life with and to do my best to help them identify and meet their needs. I do consent to being accountable to that. In a work relationship, I do not consent to be accountable for being as productive as possible, no matter what's going on in my life. I don't consent to that narrative, but I do consent to being accountable, to showing up, to get the work done that we've agreed to do together as well as I can within the limits of my human capacity. And I do consent to being accountable to communicating what my human capacity is in this moment on this particular day so that I don't build resentment towards people because of things they don't even know are going on for me. That's so unfair and unjust. I do not consent to being accountable to constant surveillance about my worthiness in any situation, whether that's in the workplace, in the home, outside of the home, Um, I don't consent to being accountable to showing up for this story of extraction, that I am a commodity that should be polished and perfect and always willing and always chipper. That is not true. And I don't consent to that story. And I invite you to withdraw your consent from that story as well. I think in all of my work with these land spirits here, And with the divinities that I have worked with over the years and continue to work with, I'm finding that the flaws in us, what we've been told are flaws, the weak spots, the places where we need help, our blind spots, they are not places to hide and be ashamed of and push down and resent. They are our receptors for community. They are the places where someone else can step in or something else can step in strong. And now we are strong together because I likely have strengths that are reciprocal need for that other being. So when we hide our needs and we lie to ourselves and to others, and we take on this story of, of extractive commodifying of ourselves, We are actually missing out on the kind of um, accountability that creates wholeness and strength and resilience in communities and in ourselves. 
where can you start this process? Where is a place right now in your life, a relationship that you are devoted to, where you are not being accountable, where you are um, living out a story rather than sharing your tender truth? Where are you managing something where you could invite connection and depth? Where are you living out a mask instead of listening deeply to what you need in that relationship? And is there a spirit of place that you can call on for help? For me, this season of my life, working for the pollinators of this place has given me so much insight into relationship. Knowing how to create forage and um, opportunity for eggs to be laid and caterpillars to get fat and ripe before their transformation, watching that whole life cycle, trusting it, um, has taught me so much about reciprocal community. Is there a land spirit or an ancestor or a deity that particularly wants to guide you in this community of accountability, showing up as your whole self in a way that makes the whole community you belong to stronger and more resilient. If you're looking for more practical examples and exercises about how to do this kind of work, I suggest the book Change Here Now by Adam Brock. It is full of scenarios, explorations, and exercises to help us think in this new way, this emerging way, where we let go of old stories, step more fully into the truth of our limits, and from those limits, find a new story of resilience together. Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me.